Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. What's your thoughts on this? Oh, I have many, but, but the <laughs> simple fact... ...7th Company, at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. This is The Risk Takers from Entrepreneurs Club Radio. Picture yourself 50 years old, divorced, broke, living in a warehouse. Now ask how do you get out of this mess? Meet Diana Richards. Diana lived this nightmare. And the story gets even worse. The warehouse had only one small cot for sleeping and one bathroom, no shower. Did all this hardship deter her from being successful? Not at all. With no business experience and no money, her power of positive thinking took over. People thought she was crazy. But Diana, a former Kirby vacuum sales lady, launched Vacuum Systems International and became the largest remanufacturer of commercial vacuum cleaners in the world. Her favorite quote is by Dr. Robert Schuler: Find a problem and solve it. Find an obstacle and remove it. Bridge it or turn it into an opportunity. Her secret to success? The power of positive thinking. Diana dreamed big. So could you. Welcome to this edition of the world famous Jimmy Jaguar Radio Program, coast to coast, and motor on TuneIn, iTunes, or Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course, a brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the App Store, JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24 7 replay, exclusive news and programming information, all available on our app. And uh, we've got a great, great guest with us today. I think we're possibly going to have two great guests here in a few moments. Uh, I've got to. Uh, <laughs> I've got to get Richard Kurtz on here in just a second. Uh, we're also getting a call from our buddy, Mr. Josh Bernstein, so I'm going to try to dial him up on the old skype rooney and see uh, if we can get him on. There's Josh. Thank you for calling. You will now be connected to the person you dialed. Look at that. Isn't that nice, Rich, how it, uh, there's a prompt there that says, hey, we're going to connect Hello, the this is an interpreter. One moment while I connect your call. They're an interpreter? Wow. Yes, and that line is ringing. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Josh is now speaking Gaelic. Is that Apparently he's speaking Gaelic now. The number you dial belongs to a person who uses sign language, and your oh, calls are routed through a sign language awesome. interpreting service. That's awesome. Did not know that. And uh, it looks like at this time no one's answering. Would you like to leave a message? Uh, yes. We'll go ahead and leave a message. Okay. <laughs> One moment, please. Okay. Okay, you can go ahead with your message. Okay, this is uh, Jiggy Jag calling for uh, Josh Bernstein. Uh, you just called me. I was calling you on Skype audio. Uh, I will try you back. I appreciate it, Josh. Thank you. All righty, message sent, and have a good day. Definitely. You too. Appreciate it. You look at that, a live person who wasn't from India. Uh, we got uh, Richard Kurtz with us today. You from... recorded that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> We 
uh, we're we're live, baby. That's all my things are. Uh, Red Nation Radio today as well on our uh, on our lovely, lovely, lovely broadcast. And uh, Richard Kurtz, Strategies PR with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast. And uh, media specialist, political scientist, and of course author. And uh, you've got your book. It's coming really, really, really close. Really close to being bun- done. That's the rumor. Now, uh, the Veep debate, a lesson in upbringing is the topic today. The spread of foot and mouth disease has plagued this presidential campaign. Aside from the uh, bumbling candidates, their respective spouses have had their gaffes, so why should their running mates miss out on all the fun? The vice presidential debate was sparky and truly showed the medal of the men who should be a heartbeat from the Oval Office. And, of course, uh, in my opinion, both of them are uh, NWO globalists. It's, it's kind of like Trump got one and Hillary went, well, I can get one, too. Uh, anything you can do, I can do better. Um, <laughs> regular contributing media specialist in political science, Rich Kurtz, with us today. He watched the debate, he ate popcorn, and he counted the lies, and he joins us on the telephone. How are you, sir? Well, if I may add one humorous note about phone calls to India. Yes. Um, the problem is not that they do not speak the language or do so clearly, which they do quite well. It's that they don't get the nuances of uh, colloquial sarcasm. So when you call to complain about a company like I did with Dell, yes, um, uh, and they just don't get it. They <laughs> so, so <you laughs> just don't get it. Stuff, but, but no, they just, they just don't understand when you're sarcastic. And, of course, I'm naturally sarcastic, so it never worked. Anyway. <laughs> now, this, this VP debate, I, I think it was you uh, last week who said that uh, this will be very interesting because this will be the adults in the room. Um, <laughs> did that live up to your expectation before we get into the topic here? I'm sure somewhere around that room there are a lot of adults, but they didn't show the audience. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the um, uh, the problem is 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 that is that uh, both the VP candidates are indeed of adult age and are indeed in positions of adult authority, um, and one of them. Um, is is really in spite of all the attaboys and pats on the back and polite comments about them, uh, just plain doesn't doesn't belong anywhere near the White House. I'm not sure I'd let him on the lawn. <laughs> uh, and and um, it's um, you know it it's a, it, it's all part of the sad and continuing tale of how our campaigns are getting worse and worse, and our candidates are getting more marginal and. Um, and, and then they're reflecting the country. Uh, uh, yeah. Know, I had this argument with my son who said the candidates are just reflecting the country. You know, people uh, people live beyond their means. The government lives beyond its means. What do you expect? <laughs> We've got Richard Curtis of the Today Strategies PR. He joins us live here on the telephone to uh, talk about the VP debate. And, uh, okay, the moderator. Uh, everyone seems to be picking on these moderators. Uh this was a woman from, I believe, CBS. Uh, how, how did she do? Well, Elaine, what's her name, uh, Keanu? I believe uh, so. She's very good and fair-sounding. She wasn't as obvious as the others. She's not really unbiased uh, with uh, her continuing attempts to hit on, uh, on, uh, on uh, 
sense. Yeah. But um, but she kind of got hit by a freight train in this thing. She lost control, and uh, and she should have guided the discussion rather than trying to adhere to the format. Uh, look, I'll give you a classic example. You've had plenty of guests on the air and general direction of questions for discussion. You know, yes. To, to initiate the discussion. Yes. Sometimes you get into maybe the third question, and that expands in an entirely different direction, or it would continue in an interesting fashion and perhaps fill the air time. Yes. Well, do you, do you cut them off and say, oh, no, we have to go to question four? <laughs> I have had, you know what's funny about this, is I've had this very same argument with... Uh, with tour managers and with publicity people for musicians, when they the, when they schedule interviews with us for for live events, uh, they will often be like, "Well, send me a predetermined list of questions," and I'm like, "Okay, so if I send, so if we're getting down through question four, and they go off on some tangent about some story that's really interesting, I can't ask them a follow up because it's not listed in the predetermined list of questions." <laughs> and I've had I've had PR people be like, you know, you're right about that. And then I've had some that are like, no, you stick to what's on the sheet. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, what, what, I, what I tell people when I put them on the air, and that's sort of what I do for a living part of the time, Yes. I tell them that it's their interview, but it's the host's show. And you need to remember that it's a win-win. It's not going to work out if you get in a, in, a, in a fist fight with the host, unless you're on the Jerry Springer show. And we don't do the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's you know the the audience doesn't come away with anything unless you have a uh, a flow of conversation. Yes. And, and and I think you have a lot of that with this debate. Uh, getting back to the questions, if you will. <laughs> it is Richard Kurtz, Strategies PR. He joins us live here on the telephone, talking a little bit about the VP debate. Uh, what was most notable about Mike Pence? He was cool and calm. I would hate to play poker against him. Then again, I don't play poker. But uh, he was absolutely refused to get sucked into the mud. Uh, he called Kane out on the issues uh, and got um, strong about his calling out on the issues, but he never lost his calm. That's, uh, that was very, very notable about this. We've got Richard Kurtz, Strategies PR, La Jolla Writers Conference with us today here on our broadcast, and uh, Coast to Coast and Border to Border on Red Nation Radio. Tune in, iTunes, and Radio Loyalty. And uh, there is a lot going on with this VP debate. Um, Tim Kaine, which I've I've heard all sorts of things about Tim Kaine. The the whole idea of the fact that he was the uh, he was the head of the DNC, and then there was he stepped aside so Debbie could jump in, and then they ruined uh, Bernie's chances at really doing anything. And now all of a sudden he's the He's the VP, which uh, Hillary loves making those deals. Uh, <laughs> so uh, going in, I'm not a big fan of Tim Kaine to begin with. So w w what did you think about him? What was notable about Mr. Kaine? Well, um, he apparently failed kindergarten. <laughs> uh, he has, he, he, 
they both went on about his godly upbringing. Uh, but apparently somewhere in that upbringing they left out manners. Uh, he never learned to wait his turn. And this is a sign in a debate. One of the things that you have, if you want to have freedom, you must have a certain level of order. If you're going to have a free flow of ideas that people can hear and decide about, you have to have an orderly presentation of them. Again, you can't turn it into the Jerry Springer show. When you do that, which is what Cain did, it yeah. demonstrated clearly that his ideas were not good enough to stand on their own as compared to the other ideas. He had to stomp over the other ones. As soon as somebody starts doing that, it's like as soon as somebody says, you can't express yourself because I think your ideas are politically incorrect or whatever. As soon as somebody is precluding the other side of the discussion, yes. watch out. That's the guy you don't want in charge. Certainly not a heartbeat from the Oval Office. No. No. And that is... Uh <laughs> that is our topic today, the Veep debate, a lesson and an upbringing. Richard Curtis of the Today Strategies PR. Of course, uh, Rich is a political scientist, writer, PR strategist, and carpenter, and I love that part about his bio. Uh, he joins us live here on the telephone this week to discuss this uh, VP debate situation. Now, um, getting back to Pence and, and, and Kane here, um... A lot of folks thought that this was going to be a very boring debate. Did it end up that way? Well, no, but for the wrong reason. Uh, okay. It got exciting because, again, Kane uh, amped it up, and, uh, and, and instead of dealing with uh, uh, comparing issues, it got to be uh, yelling and, and, and squawking and trying to push forth non-issues, uh, yeah. everything from uh, not quite describing accurately abortion to not quite describing accurately anything that ever came out of Trump's mouth to, uh, you know, maligning the idea about the fact that, hey, it really is smart to take all your tax deductions and not letting <laughs> the other person mention that. Uh, I know of no one out there, no one, including the... Uh, um, the great uh, uh, Mark Cuban, who is actually going to say, you know, I'm just not going to take that deduction. <laughs> you know, I just, I just don't see anybody who's actually made 15 cents from working having that many rocks in their heads. Now, there's a balance that you don't push the envelope. I've got a great CPA, and he says, you know, you, you take the envelope to here, right, not right to the edge. Because <laughs> you just don't want to... You, the time spent on an audit is not worth it, even if you're right. And that's and that's true. And right now, Mr. Trump is up to his armpits at an audit because I'm sure he pushes the envelope. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to keep the government on a leash. You're supposed to make them have to work for the dollars that they get and then be more careful spending them. <laughs> <laughs> Even Supreme Court Justice Learned Hand made the statement, and I'll paraphrase it, there is nothing sinister about ordering, organizing your affairs in such a way to pay the least amount of taxes. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to make it into something wrong, well, then you apparently don't like the system, and maybe you should go to another country. <laughs> but, but that was not the worst lie in this. 
just all those innuendos and the twists and turns, that wasn't the biggest lie. What was the biggest lie? Oh, the biggest lie was that they eliminated Iran's nuclear weapons program. <laughs> and he, and he managed yes, I'd seen something when, on that. Even when Pace, uh, uh, Pence looked at him and said, eliminate? Uh, you mean delay? No, 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 we eliminated it. Now, I just hope to God when they start launching missiles that that Kane and his family are around to watch the fun. <laughs> uh, because because they deserve to be able to watch that fun, too. Uh, and that somebody points out and says, oh, is this the plan you eliminated? Uh, is that the JV team that we're not fighting with that's out there setting people on fire? And cutting that's right. Off now? That's right. Uh, you know... If you're going to lie to somebody, have a level of credibility. <laughs> don't look them squ square in the eye and say, um, I did not have sex with that woman or something like, you know. Something to that effect. Her dress. And don't turn around and say, oh, no, I didn't really do anything wrong because they didn't prosecute me. Uh, yes. You know, and for crying out loud when it's a matter of serious national security serious national security. You don't say things like, it was movie critics. They were people that were writing that burned down the internet. <laughs> That's right. Angry movie critics. You know, That's right. Angry movie oh, critics. Or, or, and then far worse, the next stage is going to be, um, um, no, that probably wasn't an Iranian missile that blew up Cincinnati. Uh, I'm sure it was just an accident with some dastardly nuclear power plant in Canada. You know how troublesome those Canadians are. Canada! <laughs> yeah, you know, Canada. Remember the movie Canadian Bacon with John Candy? That was just so That's right. Uh, and, and, you know... Who knew it would become wrong. a political strategy someday, Rich? Anybody, anybody, <laughs> anybody who believes that that, that, is, that that nuclear threat has been eliminated needs help crossing the street. Really. <laughs> Richard Kurtz with us today. Strategies PR, 21 minutes after the hour. We've got a uh, couple more minutes left to go here with uh, with Rich. Uh, this this VP debate, they've uh, they've basically moved on. Uh, they've they've they're only going to do one of these things, and uh, the next debate is Trump and uh, and Hillary again. Uh, this. This this could be entertaining, or this could be just a huge joke. Uh, <laughs> first of all, let's let, let's talk a little bit about it here with this with this Trump situation. Um, Trump has made comments about uh, the nuclear first strike capabilities at the last debate. Um, first strike cannot be taken off the table. Uh, what, what what do you make of this? Okay, as soon as you start giving a list of things. I like to think of us as the good guys, or the, at least the better guys, yes. perhaps the best guys on the planet. Yes. Because even though we screw up, we really, really don't go and take things from other people and aren't operating in, the, in, that, in that mental state, of that imperial state that idiots think we are. Yes. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to be one of the good guys and want to stay alive... You don't tell the bad guys the list of the things that you're not going to do. <laughs> yes. War, war is not orchestrated by the, by the Marquis de Queensbury. It's, it's a 
miserable place. Whatever plan you have goes off the table after the first shot. Every general will tell you that. Everyone who's ever faced it on a battlefield will tell you that, from George Washington to George Patton. They're going to tell you the same thing. War is a mess. Don't try to go in there with a cleaning cloth. And don't tell the other guy what you're not going to do. Because what the other guy is going to do, he's going to take you right to the brink. And he knows if he gets too close to the edge, you just may have to haul off and swat him one. Now, if hauling off and swatting one is a nuclear first strike, and he knows you're not going to do that, he's going to get closer to the edge. Yes. And there's no guarantee that getting to the edge is not him doing a nuclear first strike. Because they're not talking about what they're not doing. Every one of those jackasses out there <laughs> talking about how they want to wipe us out. That's right. Death to America is always the, uh, yeah. always the, the phrase that pays in that community. And if you think Putin doesn't have that in the back of his mind, you know, he, he doesn't like being, you know, one-sixth of our economy. Um, and and he's, a, he's a mean SOB. Well, and, and where, something where else, be, something else. He's leading with a gun in his hand. But, but he, nonetheless, there's no question about, about the fact that whose side he's on. We really wonder whose side Obama's on. Well, and see, that's the thing. And 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 ninety percent of the time, I think Obama's on the side of whoever's giving him the most cash. And uh, that seems to be uh, that seems to be our friends in the New World Order. But uh, think about wrong about electing a poor man, you know? <laughs> well, that too. At, at least in modern society, anyhow. I think it's I think it's great that Obama over the last couple of days or last week said that, well, when he leaves the White House, he'll be able to speak more freer. And I'm like, wow, if that, if, if that is not an indication of uh, NWO got your tongue, I don't know what is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'll be able to speak a lot freer when I leave. You're the most powerful guy in the world. Why can't you say something now? Oh. I, I will believe that he will speak his true mind completely freely when he's willing to get socked in the nose for opening his mouth the wrong way. Well, that too. And I don't mean that literally. I mean, if it, he, he now has absolutely no accountability or responsibility for what comes out of his mouth. He really doesn't. Yeah. And, and he has never taken responsibility for that, which is why he said so many of the things that he said. Um, and, you know... You or I, you know, okay, so right now, you, if you're out on a podcast, you don't have to deal with the FCC, but you do have to deal with your audience. Yes. And if you get out on there and you're offensive and idiotic and, 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 and nonsensical to your audience, um, they're going to stop listening. That's your lifeblood. Um, that means you are taking responsibility because you're putting your name on what comes out of your mouth. I do the same thing. Um People who disagree with me, people who disagree with me vehemently, and some who agree. But I put my name on what I say. Uh, and uh, he's thinking that he's not doing that. I don't know whose name is on what he's saying. But he has no yeah. responsibility for what comes out of his mouth. And apparently Hillary doesn't either because people keep listening to her. We've uh, we've got the fabulous Richard Kurtz of this Today Strategies PR, La Jolla Writers Conference as well. And uh, before we let you go, my friend, how do we get a hold of you online? 
Well, it depends on what you want to do. If you want to just holler at me, it's richcurrits at gmail. Feel free to say whatever you want because I can erase it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you want to find out seriously about the ins and outs from the pros about the art, craft, and business of writing, a writing about anything from any point of view, please go to LaHoyaWritersConference.com. That's L-A-J-O-L-L-A, WritersConference.com. Uh, it's going to be a, a fabulous conference this year. It's coming up like six weeks away. And uh, if you want to find out about what you need to do uh, or, or get some specific advice about a situation you're in with writing a book or marketing a book or finding out how to get it printed or published without getting ripped off, give us a call at strategiespr.com. And all of my remarks, by the way, on the air are my remarks, <laughs> not the remarks of any of these companies. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, so I'm putting my name on them. Well, it is uh, it is pretty amazing, my friend. I, I appreciate you making time, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Have yourself a good week, Rich. You take care. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you, man. Richard Kurtz, Strategies PR, La Jolla Writers Conference, Strategies PR. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we've got more coming up. I believe we're going to speak to Brian Crabtree here in just a few moments. everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. Today's podcast is brought to you by Amazon. It's really easy to support the Jiggy Jaguar experience before you shop on Amazon. And we all know you do. Go to the website, jagshow.com. Click on the Amazon banner on the homepage. It's that easy. Remember, that's jagshow.com. Click the Amazon banner before you shop. This is ASC Automotive Professional Pam Oaks, and it's time to take a 60-second break and make you a savvy car consumer. Dishonesty doesn't pay, but it does pay out in this case because VW finally signed an agreement with the feds to pay emission-altered diesel owners $1 billion in restitution. And Mitsubishi admitted last week that they cheated on approximately 625,000 MPG tests on vehicles, some of those made for Nissan. Employees grossly overinflated the tires to achieve a higher mileage rating. Lesson learned. Want to know more about your vehicle? Visit me at carcarefortheclueless.com, making you a savvy car consumer. Tires. So I was going to go with the ones on sale, but my friend said tires are not the same. He said I need to replace my tires with the same brand that came on the car. Every component on your vehicle, the brake pads, the tires, the hoses, are on your car or truck because that particular parts maker won the bid. 
They negotiated with the manufacturer and gave them the best price per specs. But now you have options. Ask a lot of questions to get the biggest bang for your buck. Lesson learned. Want to learn more about your vehicle? Visit me, ASC Tech Pam Oaks, at carcarefortheclueless.com, making you a savvy car consumer. Jiggy Jaguar is better than me. I'm totally serious about that, too. Presenting Jiggy Jaguar. Welcome back to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program, coast-to-coast and border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, or Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and, of course, 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world, iHeartRadio as well. And, of course, on our own app at JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, exclusive news and programming information, all available on our fabulous, fabulous, fabulous app. And uh, we've got a great guest coming up here in just a few moments. We will get to him here in just a second. But before we do that, let's tell you about one of our great new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. Encouragement for Believers. It's available on Kindle. Right now, Brenda K. Winters. She's got an incredible, incredible book out there. It's called Encouragement for Believers. It's a short, quick course in God's Word and how to use it. Maybe you are ill or a loved one is or life is just getting you down. It's going to help you understand how to change things for the better. Learn how to become a better believer and a believer as well. If you need help to improve your life, you will find it. In here as well. Check out Encouragement for Believers. It's on Kindle. It's available on Amazon right now. We've got a link to it on our website at jiggyjaguar.com. Check it out today. We're going to go now to our good friend and uh, Mr. Man. We've been trying to get him on the uh, broadcast for a little bit. Brian Crabtree. He is a publisher of Talk40.com. Also contributor to Townhall.com, Clash Daily, and The Daily Caller. And he's with us today talking about some of the different things surrounding the political world. One being uh, outsmarting a corrupt, rigged tax code. And uh, Brian, tell us a little bit about Trump and... Uh, some of this situation here, because uh, I'll tell you, I I don't really see an issue with this tax situation as much as the liberal media seems to be making a big stink about this. Well, it's just like they preyed on people's ignorance with Obamacare and uh, ultimately uh, lied to us about that. People uh, bought that hook, line, and sinker, and the left knows that many Americans on big issues of economics, taxes, etc., are ignorant. That's not a slam. That's just a reality. Yeah. It's a very complex matter. So uh, they, they prey on that. It's, it's the worst form of demagoguery. It's not a big deal. Listen, real estate is a big uh, throughput into our economy. Someone builds a house, $305,000 on average goes into the economy. Once they close on the build of the house, another sixty-two dollars to $63,000 yep. goes into the local economy, buying stuff at Lowe's and hiring people to do things, ad blinds, all that. People get jobs out of it. Donald Trump builds a skyscraper and doesn't ever pay taxes. Millions of dollars in taxes get paid at the local level. He pays FICA, Medicare. He pays all yep. kinds of federal payroll taxes to 
the employees it takes to operate a building. You know, you don't operate a 60-story high-rise with one employee. It takes <laughs> employees, yes. janitors, everything, right? Not even counting the people that will occupy that building. So Donald Trump t- took advantage of two things. First of all, he had a couple of bad years. Uh, that happens to everybody in real estate over a couple of decades. It's a cycle. It's a cycle of business. It cycles around. The second part is depreciation. So basically, I'll explain depreciation real quick. Yes. He depreciates the value of the assets, $100 million building, $2.6 million a year in a tax deduction. That means he doesn't pay taxes on $2.6 million in income every year for 39 years on a $100 million dwelling or building. Uh, what does that mean for taxpayers? Well, he's not paying taxes now, but when he sells that building 40 years from now, as if though he never paid a dime for it, he's going to pay taxes on the entire value of the building. And what that means is that the IRS is essentially allowing him to invest their money in taxes they would have received into an asset like a building or a new building, and then we get a big payoff as taxpayers when he passes away in estate taxes and or when he sells the property after it's fully depreciated out. It's the way we have become such a rich nation. Unfortunately, uh, rich and success is not understood anymore. It's to be demonized, and failure is to be uplifted. That's that's really what this situation uh, is showing us. We've got Brian Crabtree with us today. He is live afternoons on Atlanta's Biz 1190 from 4 to 6 p.m. weekdays and airing again a.m. 920. The answer from 9 to 11 uh, check out the briancrabtreeshow.com and uh, uh, the thing that I don't understand, <laughs> which you laid out expertly there by the, by the way, is the fact that when Trump does get a property and does put things together, because he's put this together, people are paying. You know, he's paying taxes, he's buying building materials, and in turn, the people that are employed, whether it's the you know the Home Depot folks or it's the people building the building or people staffing the building, they go out and they pay taxes too, and they jumpstart the economy and they can buy their own healthcare and they can do this. The the thing that I I, I guess I just don't understand is why. That is so much of a hard thing for people to understand is that if you put people to work, they will spend money and boost the economy. Uh, because it's a very selfish, uh, wealth-envy-driven society. That, that's exactly why. The, the, the wealth-envy, which has been really pushed forward by Barack Obama, has become an epidemic where people are struggling, they're having a hard time. They don't look to themselves, they don't look within, they look outside of themselves, they look at successful people, and they go, it's their fault. See, they took all my money. And yeah. that's really what the left wants to peddle uh, for this election. That's how they keep winning. They focus on downtrodden, unsuccessful people, otherwise known in Trump's language as losers. Yeah. And it, what we end up with is uh, we end up with a bunch of losers running our society. I just It, it, it just amazes me that... Uh, that that the Republicans for the last several years have been talking about the fact that we need someone rich and powerful. We need somebody like you know a Donald Trump to come along and 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 kick people in the teeth to get things going. And then when he finally shows up, they're like, no, 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 we don't want that guy. That's <laughs> what I don't understand about this whole thing. Well, and he disrupts their way of life. Uh, Republicans and Democrats, their their fuel is the status quo. So whatever is currently in existence as far as policy and procedure 
in Washington, D.C. is the fuel for the establishment. So anyone like Trump is, is an absolute threat, existential threat, if you will, to their way of life. He will, if elected, disrupt the Republican Party and the Democrat Party equally because they are both one and the same. I have a good buddy of mine who's a liberal from college, one of my best friends in the world, and he explains it this way. He says, listen, Brian, you and I can argue over policy all day long, but at the end of the day, the people we shouldn't be arguing over because they stand up on their stumps in front of the Capitol building in D.C., one as a Republican, one as a Democrat. They say whatever they think they need to say to keep getting reelected by the people that put them there. Yes. Walk through the Capitol building, go through the back, and get the same dang limo. So go to the same restaurant, dinner together, and party together, and believe in the same stuff ultimately. And that's that's what Trump is really, uh, he's a big threat to that. We've got Brian Crabtree with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast. And, uh, Brian, there, there, is, there is also a lot going on in, the, uh, in, in, in this whole deal with, with Hillary. Uh, it seems like there is a, a lot of scandals that just keep coming her way. Um, what, what, what's the latest on this? Because I know that, that, that there's been talk of a, uh, Bill Clinton having a son out there, and, 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 and uh, there's, there's all sorts of problems with the foundation. What, what, what's the latest that you've been hearing? Well, the latest I've heard, I had Roger Stone, which was the original uh, main Trump campaign guy. And yes, indeed. Campaign. So I had Roger on my show a couple of days ago in Atlanta, and he tells me that uh, he believes that the Hillary Clinton campaign will end when Julian Assange finally releases what he teased us about this week, many of the missing emails which show she did, in fact, do pay-for-play. I quizzed him and, and, and challenged him deeper, and I think he and I had a consensus that the emails won't say, if you'll send the Clinton Foundation $10 million, I'll get you that Iranian uh, deal you want in Russia. Yeah. There will be enough emails added up with, uh, with junior staffers and, and such that that will paint the picture in a way that cannot be denied. Um, I, I'll add one more thing, but I'll, I'll turn it back to you uh, in case you want to add uh, you know, or ask a question on it. Well, the, the, the thing that I think is, is amazing about this is these, these Clintons, for the last, God, what, 10 years, 20 years it seems, uh, Bill Clinton sold us out to China. Um, Hillary's come along and, and, and lined her pockets with all sorts of different things. Uh I, I just don't understand how she's gotten as far as she has. With either she's got a lot of dirt on people or something. Well, I think it's really about access and the media. The media is really what used to keep politicians somewhat honest. I wouldn't say completely, but they used to be uh, fact checkers. I, I know uh, that when Tim Russert passed away and Meet the Press essentially ended back in 2008. Yeah. That is when the last bastion of journalism and investigation ended. There was no way to get to the White House except going through Sam Russert, where you had to face all of those questions, and he would do it equally on both sides. That doesn't exist every, anymore. You yeah. and I are in the opinion business. Um, yes. The, the media, the journalism, the TV anchors by and large are in the journalism business. They, they have forgotten that. They all want to be in our business, but quite frankly – I don't think they have enough sense to be in our business because they don't have enough <laughs> facts to form an opinion. Yes. And yet they have plenty of opinions based solely on their hysterical emotions, which are wholly wrong in my view.
We've got Brian Crabtree with us today. Find him on Twitter at Brian Crabtree, and uh, he is absolutely amazing. He joins us today here talking about some of the different political news, uh, the, the latest being with Hillary and some of these scandals that she's got out there. Um, where, where do you see all this uh, all this headed uh, as we've, we're, we're, what, two or three weeks out from the election? Uh, there's no way they're going to try to replace her, is that? Is that possible? No, I don't see that happening. There were some rumors of that, and I think that was the same as the rumors that the Republicans wanted to replace Trump. I, I think it's just the people in the never-Hillary or never-Trump camp trying to stir something up, and the media bites on it and runs with it because it makes a good story. Uh, where I see it coming out is, at the end of the day, I think we're going to have a very tight neck-and-neck, neck, two, three, four percentage point race at the end, one way or the yep. other. Uh, I, I do, however, still think, I, I, I'll toot my horn, I've predicted almost every step of this race correctly from the moment Donald Trump got in the race. I predicted his rise. I, I thought Jeb Bush was our next president until I saw Donald Trump, and I said I've been completely wrong. He will be the nominee of the Republican Party and likely the next president. I'm going to stick with that. If I'm wrong about the presidency part, I've only been wrong once this political season. I'll <laughs> Well, uh, well, Brian, I'm I'm hoping and praying that uh, that Trump wins this thing. I know a lot of people when I when I talk to some of my liberal friends or, or even uh, uh, some of my Republican friends, they, uh, they they freak out when I when I talk about the fact that I support Trump. And the thing that I don't that, that a lot of people I don't think understand, and I know you get this, Trump has been saying a lot of these things. Because he knows that he can he can get publicity on TV for it. I I've I've thought from the very beginning. Once he gets in there, he's going to surround himself with enough good people, and they're going to do what they can to fix the country without, you know, having to build a wall and having Mexico pay for it. Well, whether he does that or not, I do think he'll build a wall. How we get it paid for? We'll write the check, but it may be on their backs where we put taxes and tariffs on them. I think you only have to look at the vice presidential debate to, to look at his first hire. In fact, he said that today in a campaign speech. His first hire was Mike Pence, really. Yep. That would be part of, the, of his actions as a president. And look how overwhelmingly qualified he appeared to be and was on Monday, on Monday night or Tuesday night at that debate. Yeah. Where he basically mopped the floor with Tim Kaine and then hit him over the head with a sledgehammer and came away looking like a Boy Scout. I mean, that was a great pick. Now, I hope Trump learns a lesson from that. I put an article about what Trump needs to do uh, and learn from, from Tim Kaine on my website at talk40.com just yesterday, which basically, when Hillary tries to bait him, he can defend it for 10 or 15 seconds, and then he ought to go right back into litigating Hillary Clinton's terrible record, which is really a town hall. Is anything that sticks in the media, if there's a Miss Universe, I don't care if he relitigates that for five days and sets the record straight, but he shouldn't be the one pushing the media to continue the conversation. It should only be because the issue, whatever it is that comes up, won't go away. Yeah. That, 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 that's excellent, my friend. That's excellent. Now, uh, Brian, before we let you go, what do you have coming up on the, uh, on the radio program in the next couple of days? Well, next couple of days, I'm going to really focus in on uh, on issues that I think uh, are part of the social aspect of it. One of the things I've been talking about this week is what's really happening in a breakdown of communication in our society because, you know, the, the, the adults that are overwhelmingly unemployed and, uh, and underemployed are in the 20- to 30-year-old range. 
and they're different, you know, and, and they're, they're hearing all of this stuff, and they don't, you know, hard to them is bad. Work to them is bad. You know, any kind of challenge to them is bad. Mommy and Daddy have always taken care of it. And I think yes. that's a critical piece to this election is that when you try to explain facts to people who are coming of age now, or many adults even who have been, you know, changed and cultured by this, this tra- transition we made, uh, they don't want to hear it because it's just too complex, and complexity is bad. Yeah. We've got to get Americans <laughs> back on the page of facing facts and dealing with reality as it occurs so that we can face a brighter future. If we don't, our future is bleak. we got to get them out of their safe zones. Yeah, no exactly, exactly. <laughs> Well, Brian, it was an honor and a privilege to chat with you. I hope we can do this again. Um, I, I just appreciate you making time for us today. Thank you, my friend. Anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Brian Crabtree with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone. And uh, get a hold of us on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and, of course, the brand-new Cheeky Jaguar app available in the App Store. We got more coming up here on our big program. It's Chris Markowski, Watchdog on Wall Street. This is your Watchdog on Wall Street Money Minute. Associated Press story uh, just came out talking about a little bit about affluence in America. And they say it's not just the wealthiest 1%. Fully 20% of U.S. adults become rich for parts of their lives, wielding outsize, outsize influence on America's economy and politics. This little-known group may pose the biggest barrier to reducing the nation's income inequality. Barrier? People getting wealthy doing well. It's a barrier. The growing numbers of the U.S. poor have been well documented, but survey data provided to the Associated Press detail the flip side of the record income back. The rise of the, quote, new rich, made up of older professionals, working married couples, and more educated singles. The new rich are those with household income of $250,000 or more at some point in their working lives. They're actually writing like this is bad. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Welcome back to the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar radio program, coast-to-coast and border-to-border on TuneIn. iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, of course, 50-plus AM FM stations. Across the country and around the world, iHeartRadio as well, AM FM, 247.com, KFRK in Denver, Colorado, and of course... Our good friends over there at Red Nation Radio. That's right. Uh, check us out each and every evening on Red Nation Radio. Before we get into our regular Harvey Neiman, we're going to take a brief time out here and tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. It's a great new Indiegogo campaign. They're raising $200,000 or more for an upcoming season of a web series, Hits. No morals. It is a workplace comedy about hitmen who are terrible at their jobs. Check it out today. It's a work drama continues. It gets out of hand in a new season of hits. Hashtag no morals. Jonathan Perkins with us today from Chicago. They are raising a lot of money, and they need to get the money now. Check it out today. They've got some... uh, Featured rewards and some bonuses. A lot of them are sold out because these folks are uh, getting a lot of people jumping in on what they're doing. Check it out today. Hits. 
No Marls. It's a great new web series. Check it out on Indiegogo.com or go to igg.me slash 80 slash hits dash no dash morals slash s h r e slash one five one three zero four seven five or just go to indiegogo.com and search hits no morals and tell them you heard about it here transmedia worldwide we've got harvey neiman with us today he joins us live here on the telephone and uh harvey is fantastic we talk to harvey each and every week on our broadcast here and the topic this week what does the debate really mean to you the infamous bank robber, Willie Sutton, said that he robbed banks because that's where the money was. Well, times have changed, and while the banks still have money, it usually belongs to you, their customers. And sometimes the banks rob you, and Wells Fargo can't get away from this scandal with a getaway stage coach. Harvey Neiman with us today, President and Chief Investment Officer of Neiman Funds Management, LLC. He's back this week looking at the big debate and the bottom line of election 2016. Now... Harvey, in recent weeks, there's been bad news of a major scandal at Wells Fargo Bank. The bank's employees have been accused of fraudulent business practices with thousands of banks, existing customers, and potential new small business customers. Is this the same crisis that brought down the entire U.S. economy back in 2007-2008? Well, that's a good question. That's a great question, and you and I uh, fully remember the 2008 and the, what they call the Great Recession. Yes. And I want to have your uh, your listeners and Americans across this country see the differences. Uh, this is not a pleasant occurrence with Wells Fargo, but it is not the same scandal. It is not the sky falling that we had back five, six, seven years ago. The, the, the reason is all the underlying infrastructure, the problems with the underlying infrastructure just aren't there here. We're rebuilding our economy, and we get bumps in the road. And there are institutions, Jiggy, you know there are institutions that uh, they stretch the limit. They go a little bit beyond. I think yeah. it, uh, well, Wells Fargo, I'm not going to comment about the, the actual occurrences, but they're a company that goes back to the 1830s and 40s, and they are an American company that they've done something they shouldn't have done. They'll correct it. That's their business. It's not my business. What you need to know is, we need to understand what you need to know is the economy needs to be pushing forward and with job creation and focusing yes on the election and who the new president will be that's our focus and let the government and the justice department and the banking department take care of wells fargo they will take care of that problem We've got Harvey Neiman with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast. He's the President Chief Investment Officer at Neiman Funds Management. LLC is with us today talking, what does the debate really mean to you? What can our U.S. government do to prevent or curtail large financial institutions from being a threat to the stability of our economy and the personal well-being of average American citizens, Harvey? Well, again, that's a, a great question. You know, Jiggy, it sounds almost like I wrote that question. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you uh, did. Who you knows? Know. You never know. <laughs> well, you know, it's sunny out here in Southern California today, and I've got a smile on my face. It's not too warm, and it's not too cold. It's kind of like perfect, but uh, wherever you live, you can stay there and enjoy the climate wherever you live in this great country of ours. Yes. The, the, there are many people, uh, politicians especially, that say, let's, uh, let's at least enforce uh, uh, the laws that are on the books. 
people complain about big government, and I understand that, and then people complain about, well, the government doesn't take care of this problem. How could they let them do that? So I, I hope our, our listeners across this country understand there's a balance. We have to understand uh, that we need laws that protect average Americans, protect in the case of, say, Wells Fargo, protect all the customers and, and clients and, and uh their savings and their checking accounts are there at a major bank and they have to be protected. But on the other hand, every every major candidate for the last two decades have run on the on you know government's too big, government's too big. We don't need it so big. So how do we solve that problem? And in a thirty second soundbite, I can't do that for you, but I can tell you this: it's not so much that government's big, and I've said this on the show before. Government is big because we have 330 million people, 350 million people in this country. The idea is that the legislation should be simplified. What we have is too many rules and regulations that conflict with each other. And once we have legislators and, and an executive branch that understands what we need, say a tax code, it's a little easier for people to understand I'm not saying raise taxes or cut taxes. That's not my comment. Let's get a tax code that everybody can understand. <laughs> and that's really yes. Uh, do you follow? Do you agree with me, Jerry? I do. I do agree with you on that. It seems like nobody can really understand the tax code. I know that. Uh, we've had we've had various folks on here uh, on on all of our shows that have uh, have sure. talked about various things with the tax code, but that is the one thing that is underlying. Nobody understands the tax code, and it doesn't matter if you're liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever. You, nobody understands this freaking tax code. Right. So the idea of the big government, I'd love to have the politicians, the serious ones, the one, you know, the ones uh, that are going to be our country's leaders talk about a more streamlined government that's responsive to the ethics of this country and, and not so much, well, make it smaller, make it smaller. What, you want fewer police officers? You want fewer military <laughs> who, who, do, yes. who do you want to be fewer? Who do you want to get rid of? And that's not the solution. The solution is that we're all on the same page, Jiggy. Left side, right side, you, you phrased it perfectly just a second ago. You know, it doesn't matter what your leaning is. The idea is that we can all get along and run a smooth nation here. Don't you agree? Yes. Yes, indeed. It is the uh, fantastic, fantastic Harvey Neiman. He's with us today here on our broadcast, Coast to Coast to Border to Border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty. Learn more about Harvey and taking control of your money at CustomizedWallStreet.com. How could our large financial institutions relate better to average Americans? Is is their success a benefit to our middle class, or are they in basically an obstacle to the financial well-being of average folks trying to provide a good education to their children and trying to save for a secure retirement old age? Well, uh, that, those are the kinds of questions I address in my book, and it's nice of you to mention my book, Jiggy. I always appreciate that. The 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 idea is if we could look at Wall Street as the uh, as the focal point of our financial well-being in this country, and perhaps get the institutions there to be more user-friendly to its customers on which they rely for their existence, and, and, and end up more on the same side of the table, uh, structure yeah. their fees in a way that it, that it's just fairer to everybody. And the discount brokerages are making a stab at that. They've been working at that for the last 20, 25 years. But all of Wall Street 
should, if they retool in a way that their value becomes evident to everybody and people aren't afraid of Wall Street, but the average Americans, like, uh, oh, the stock market. Oh. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.